If you don't mind, I'm going to start down here for the start of it. But when you're, do you ever read something and you're like, I'm a part of that group? Have you ever read something like that? I read something this week and I found out that I am seven in a, in a 65% group of a U.S. adults. Can you guess what it is? I'm 65%. I'm in that category. The 65% of U.S. adults is in this category. Anybody guess? Huh? <laughs> the what? No, no. It has to do with eyes, though. I have corrective lenses. Cleveland Clinic says 35% of U.S. adults have 20-20 vision without corrective lenses. So I'm in the 65% group of U.S. adults. As you see, this passage is about the eyes. And you see the title there, Clear Vision is Possible. I have 20-20 vision because I have corrective lenses. Do you know when I found out that I needed glasses? I was sitting at my table with my parents playing a card game, and they have a digital clock on the stove. And I was like, Mom, Dad, what time is it? Because I, all I see is a blur. It was red, red or green, I don't remember, and I, all I saw was a nothing. I was like, what time is it, Mom? And she's like, it's this. And I was like, I can't read that. So my mom said, we have to go to the eye clinic or vision center to get you glasses. And I'm like, no. So I got glasses a week before my wedding. If that gives you a picture. A week before my wedding, I got glasses. But I'm in the 65% group. Who else is in the 65% group that you need corrective lenses? Wow, okay. I was going to say, in this room, there would be one in so many of us, and I think we all have corrective lenses, it looks like, almost. Everybody rose their hand, except a few people. But I found out that this week. I was in the 65% group with needed corrective lenses. And some of us here today are in that group as well. But the Cleveland Clinic talked about 2020 vision. And here's what they say. 2020 vision refers to normal vision. Not perfect vision, but normal vision. In other countries, Europe and elsewhere, it's 6-6 vision. Okay? This doesn't factor in peripheral vision, color, depth perception. I have a friend that's colorblind. He can't see colors. Okay? And you can have better than 2020 vision. Did you know that? I want that, but I don't have it. Maybe I need better glasses. But Cleveland Clinic said, why is having good vision so important? This is from Cleveland Clinic. They say safety, so you can drive, bike, even walk well. Comfort, there's more freedom in the activities you can do. When I play basketball, I try to play without glasses. I ran out of my contact lenses, I need to get more. But when I'm playing without my glasses, I can't see things quite as clear. I need corrective lenses. So comfort, more freedom in activities. Reading ease. Do you ever read without your glasses and you're like, uh, my eyes are hurting. My brain's hurting. Quality of life. With good vision, you may have a better quality of life, according to Cleveland Clinic. 2020 vision refers to normal vision, not perfect vision, but normal vision. And most of us in this room need corrective lenses to have 2020 vision. That was Cleveland Clinic. But when we 
cannot physically see clearly, okay? So when we can't see clearly, what do we do? We find out what's the problem and correct it with lenses or else, right? We want to correct our vision, so we go get glasses. But this story, they take steps to get this guy to Jesus because they know Jesus can do something with his eyes. But there's more to it than just vision physically. And we'll find that out as we go through it. So let's dive into this section. Chapter 8 of Mark, the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 8, verse 22. They came to Bethsaida. Now, remember, if you remember with us in chapter 6, okay, the feeding of the 5,000 happened. Everybody remember that story? Jesus fed the 5,000 on the hillside, the green grass, and they get into a boat and Jesus says, we're going to Bethsaida. Did they get to Bethsaida yet till now? Did they get to Bethsaida until this chapter? No. They kind of went over. And now they're finally finding their destination in Bethsaida. And that's from chapter 6 after the feeding of the 5,000. They finally get to that destination Jesus said they were going to. And then you see this. And some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. So people... It doesn't say who these people were, but they brought this man who was blind to Jesus and said, Jesus, can you do something for this man? Do we bring people to Jesus? Anybody. Do we bring people to Jesus because they need something? I hope we do. These people said, Jesus can do something, and they probably were talking to this blind man and said, hey, we're going to take you to Jesus. And they led him to Jesus, and they begged Jesus, can you do something? One pastor was talking about this section, and he said, these friends of this blind man took this friend by the hand and were leading him to Jesus. And he says, he said to his congregation, do you go take people by the hand and said, you're coming to church with me today. I'm going to give you to Jesus. I'm going to present you to Jesus. Do we do that today? I can honestly say, I don't do it a lot. Do we physically say, you are coming with me to church. You need to hear this. I'm going to bring you to Jesus so you can hear about Jesus. But this man is brought to Jesus and these people are begging Jesus to touch him. Just to touch him. And we've seen in the book of Mark, the gospel according to Mark, is, doesn't Jesus sometimes just by a touch heal people, Right? Even the lady touching his cloak and she's healed of that blood flow for so many years. She just touched his cloak and she was healed. And these people just want him to touch this blind man. Verse 23, look at that. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. So Jesus took him by the hand and led him outside of the village. What a powerful picture this is because this blind man doesn't see anything. He doesn't know where he's at probably. The people brought him to Jesus and now Jesus is leading him by the hand. I want you to remember this and then when we get later on when he's restored, the term for blind is in Greek is tuflos. Everybody say that. That means darkened by smoke. 
Have you ever been darkened by smoke? I'm thinking of a campfire and all of a sudden that smoke just gets in your eye and you're like, okay, where am I? That's this word, darkened by smoke. Okay, remember that word and that definition for later on because we'll, bring, we'll come back to it. But verse 23, so Jesus leads him out by the hand. He takes, physically takes his hand, okay, and leads him out. That is such a powerful picture of a scene that is. This blind man doesn't know where he's going, but Jesus has his hand. Let's read on here. Look at this. When he had spit on the man's eyes, what is that picture for you? When you read that, I see Troy's face over here. Nobody else can, but his face is like, ew, like, right, Troy? Am I right? Sorry to spot you out, but I I just looked at you and you had that face. That's what I was thinking. That is nasty. Gross. He spit on the man's eyes. This is just fun because I looked it up. The Greek word is patu, patu, patu. Does that sound like you're spitting? Man, Greeks just have a wonderful play on words there. Now, when you think of spitting on someone, is that a nice thing? That's disgrace. That's, you're displeased with that person. You don't like that person. I've done it before. It's not fun. I've spit on people because I was angry at them. And I've been spit at. But that's dislike. You're like, I don't like you right now. I'm just going to spit on you. And I've done that before. When I was studying this, I'm like, man, I've got to go back. and It's too far back, but you don't spit on people. But Jesus spit on the man's eyes. And put his hands on him. Remember, what did, the Jesus, or what did the people beg Jesus to do? Just touch him. But he spits on the man's eyes. Then he places his hands on him. And Jesus asks, do you see anything? Do you see anything? And the man said this. He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Do you ever look outside and... Are the trees walking? If I see a tree walking, I'd be like, I'm in like Lord of the Rings or one of those other, what's another one that has trees walking? Did I hit it right, Lord of the Rings? Okay. Pam shaking her head. Thank you, Pam St. Louis, for being here because I don't read Lord of the Rings, so I know they have talking trees or walking trees, hopefully. But we don't see walking trees. If we did, we'd be like, okay, this is, Something's going on here. But he says, I see people. They look like walking trees. So does he see clearly? No, he doesn't see clearly, but he sees something. Now remember, it doesn't say how long he's been blind. So with this section, I see people. They look like trees walking around. At one time, I believe he saw something in his life because he knows they're people. So at one time, this man has seen the world around him. And somehow he became blind, couldn't see. It's darkened by smoke. You can't see very clearly. And now he says, I see people, Jesus, but they look like trees walking around. They look like trees walking around. He doesn't see clearly. But what does Jesus do? Once more. Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. 
Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything. What? Clearly. Jesus, once more, touched the man's eyes. And now his sight is clear. Remember I said, remember that word darkened by smoke? So this man went from tuflos, blindness, darkened by smoke. Now he's going to telagos, which means radiantly, in full light, clearly, clearly at a distance. He sees everything clearly. He goes from seeing people who look like trees walking around to everything clearly, radiantly. I just want to see this man. When you go from seeing walking trees to everything clearly, what kind of expression was on his face? Not the one Troy had earlier. He has this on, the laughing, the joy, the excitement of, I see again. It's completely restored. What a scene that could be for this man. Darkened by smoke, now clearly at a distance. 2020 vision. Not perfect vision, but clear vision, normal vision. That gave me, just thinking of that physically, when I got glasses for the first time after seeing that I needed glasses, you, you put them on and you're like, okay, there's color I didn't notice. There's clearness I didn't notice. There's the basketball rim I didn't see clearly. You know, you know it's like this new, I say new life is happening to my eyes. Your eyes probably, when you needed glasses and you put them on, you're like, oh, I missed all this. And now I think they make like glasses for people that don't see color, they're colorblind and they can see colors again. Can you imagine that? 2020 vision is back on this person's face. He's excited. It doesn't tell us he's excited, but he's excited. I can just put that in there. I think we can all put that in there, right? He's excited about life again. These people, and remember, the people brought him to Jesus. What a picture it would be if we led somebody and said, come to church with me. I want you to hear about Jesus, my best friend. You're coming with me. You take them by the hand and you get them to church. They sit in a pew with you. They listen to the message of Jesus. They hear about Jesus. What a sight it would be if they jumped up and were so excited and said, I want this Jesus. I want to know Him. Would that be exciting? They're darkened by smoke, but then all of a sudden they see things clearly. And they see Jesus clearly. What a sight that would be. Then 26 happens. Verse 26, the last one in this section. Jesus sent him home. There's that word home again. Have we seen that in the gospel according to Mark before? Where he sends people that he's healed, he says, go home. Go home. Live life again, normally. Not just maybe he was a blind beggar and had to beg on the street for food and money, but now he can go home and experience life again. And then Jesus said, don't even go into the village. So he says, don't go to the village where I just brought you out of to heal you. Go to your home. I like that too. Don't go through the village. Don't go this way. Go straight home. One translation, or maybe one of your translations says, 
don't go into, don't go and tell anyone in the village. I just imagine, I think he didn't keep quiet, okay? He probably went and told everybody. Even the people that brought him to Jesus, they saw it, and they went back to the village. The, the guy went home, but the people that brought him went to the village and said, something just happened. You know that blind man that has been sitting here all along? He's been healed. He can see. Beautiful pictures. Don't go, or don't go to the village, go home. And it reminded me, if, you see, if you've seen the movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Charlie opens the thing, gets the golden ticket, and the crowds just get around him. But there's one man in the crowd that grabs Charlie and says, go home, don't stop for anything go home. And what did Charlie do? He starts running. One person stops him for like a second, says something to him. I forget what he said, but then he runs home and his family's like, that's not the real ticket. Then it is the real ticket. But the man told Charlie, don't stop for anything. Just go straight home. And you see him running. I think that's what Jesus is saying here. Don't go to the village, go home to your family. Let them know you're here and you can see again. And then, when you see this passage, if you were here last week, what, well, you can see in your Bibles, what's the last question Jesus tells his disciples in the last section in 21? What, do this, what does Jesus tell his disciples? Do you still not understand? Do you still not understand who I am, disciples. You've been with me all this time. You've seen me heal many people. You've seen me teach with authority and you still don't understand. And then you get the blind man healed. And then what's next week's section? um, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they say, some say this, some say this, some say this. But then Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And then we'll see that next week, Peter's great confession, you're the Messiah. But this section is sandwiched between do you still not understand and who do you say that I am? And this section here, Jesus spits on the man's eyes, but what happens? He doesn't see clearly, so Jesus has to do it again. Not saying it, it was Jesus didn't have the power to heal right away, but he does it again. Now the man sees clearly. Emerson Powery in his commentary writes this, Not all healing is instantaneous. This story provides an example of progressive healing. If we pray for healing for somebody, does it happen right away? Sometimes it does, right? But sometimes what happens? It takes time to what? Heal. Takes time to recover. There needs to be a second touch, a second doctor's opinion, or something like that in this world. It's the same here. It's not that Jesus didn't have the power to heal. He just had to maybe get the people to think about it. Remember, this is sandwiched between do you still not understand and who do you say that I am? I don't think the gospel writers just wrote just like, they had order to their writing. Why is it sandwiched in between do you not understand and who do you say that I am? It's a wonderful picture because here's what I thought of and I think it goes right, it fits. If you don't agree with me, we can talk about it. Application, 
I want... I, I think this is sandwiched between do you still not understand and who do you say that I am is because of our sanctification. And if you don't know that word, it's just the growing you do in your Christian life. Remember, Emerson Powery, going back to what he says, not all healing is instantaneous. This story provides an example of progressive healing. If we bring it to our lives today, we are spiritually blind before we meet Jesus, correct? Yes or no? We're spiritually blind. We're darkened by smoke. We can't see clearly. But then when Jesus opens our eyes, cleanses us from sin, what happens? You can see people walking like trees. When I was 12, I go back to my record sometimes, and I, it was either 11 or 12. But... I was baptized into Christ. I wanted to follow Christ. But when I woke, you know, was raised to this new life, I saw people as trees. I saw things as trees. I wasn't instantaneously healed spiritually. You probably weren't 100% spiritually healed either if you've been baptized into Christ and wanted Jesus as your Savior. You see things, but you see things as trees walking it's not instantaneous, but then this is what comes in. Your sanctification, you want to learn and grow. One Bible encyclopedia says this, The sanctified life is the life so fully surrendered to fellowship with Christ day by day that inner spirit and outward expression are ruled by His Spirit. So day by day, you are constantly walking with the Spirit. You're constantly learning things, growing, understanding more about God's Word, understanding how we need to take God's Word and apply it to our lives. But we're not instantaneously perfect. Going back to the 2020 vision. 2020 vision is normal vision, not perfect vision. We follow Christ. We say, I want to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He's the ruler of my life. The Holy Spirit comes in. Now I've got to walk with the Spirit. But we're not perfect. If there's somebody perfect in here, I want you to stand up and come up here and start talking because if you're perfect, I'll, I'll leave you to the mic. You see how nobody jumped at that? Because what? Nobody's perfect, Right? You can't find a perfect person except the baby born in a manger in Bethlehem so many years ago. Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He was the only perfect human being. There's nobody perfect. So if we take it, this section is sandwiched between do you not understand? The disciples don't understand fully. And some people today don't understand fully either. To be honest, I don't understand things fully. But what happens? I try and try to learn and grow. John Wooden has a quote. He says, if you're through learning, you're through. So if somebody asks you, are you, are you learning anything today? And you're like, nah. That person might, could say, well, according to somebody, you're through. I hope that we're continuing to learn and grow in our spiritual life. And 
Jack, the late Jack Cottrell, theologian of the Christian church, wrote this. The Holy Spirit provides us with the moral power and spiritual strength to do what we already know is right on the basis of the Bible's teaching. The indwelling Spirit is the key to our victory over sin. When you ask Jesus, you're like, Jesus, you're the only person that could save me. It's not an instantaneous healing. It's that Holy Spirit gets in you, and now, according to Jack Cottrell, that's the indwelling power that we have victory over sin. We're continuing to grow in our Christian life, in our Christian walk, to be Christ-like. And so that we can take somebody by the hand and say, come with me to hear about Jesus. I need to do more of that. We need to take somebody by the hand and say, I want to invite you to learn about somebody that I'm passionate about that has helped me in my life, and I want to invite you to come hear about them. That's why I think this is sandwiched in between. Do you not understand disciples with who do you say that I am disciples? And they see this not instantaneous healing. They see, oh, this person was healed, but they can't see. And then Jesus had to touch them again and to be clear sighted. So if we said this in a question, is clear vision possible? You would all answer what? Huh? Yes, clear vision is possible. If we know where to go to get that vision, and that's in the person Jesus Christ. There's no other place you can get perfect, not perfect, normal, not perfect vision is with Jesus. He's going to provide it for you. He provided it for this man. I believe not just physically. This man went home changed and said, there's something about this man, Jesus. And now I've got to go tell people. Two things before I pray for us today. Hebrews 12.2 Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. You've got to fix your eyes on Jesus. Why do we celebrate or remember the Lord's Supper and Jesus' sacrifice every Sunday? Because we're fixing our eyes on Jesus. Not anywhere else. And then another one, Psalm 119, 105. You've probably memorized this. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. We have Jesus, the perfecter, the pioneer of our faith. He's cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And now we have God's word, the written word that guides us and helps us along this path of life. 2020 vision. Whether you have glasses or no glasses, this could help you. Don't miss studying this. Don't miss going up to somebody and saying, I don't understand this. Can we talk about it? I've done that. I'm like, I have no idea what this says. I'm going to go to a friend that I trust to talk about it. Don't miss opportunities to learn and grow in your faith. And I was reminded this week too, Jim Nichols, a writer in the Restoration Herald, wrote this, without repenting of sin, people cannot come to eternal life in Jesus. There has to be a repentance of sin. 
and you believe the good news of Jesus, remember Mark's writing about the good news about Jesus the Messiah, you confess Him as Lord and Savior, you say nothing else can save me, and then you're baptized into Christ and you're raised to a new life, forgiven. And you get the gift of eternal, you get the gift of the Holy Spirit and eternal life, but you get the gift of the Holy Spirit. Christmas time. You like gifts. I like gifts. The world likes gifts. Everybody likes gifts. But what's the greatest gift of all? The gift of eternal life. The gift of the Holy Spirit that helps us grow in our faith. That leads us on the path that leads to life. If you need to make that decision, it's always open. No time but the present. So pray with me as we sing our last song, as they come up to sing our last song. And this is not my own prayer, but I'm going to not sing it, but this is what I came, this is what I came across this week because it came into my mind for some reason, and this will be my prayer. So let's pray together. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need Thy tender care. In thy pleasant pastures feed us, for our use thy folds prepare. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast bought us, thine we are. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast bought us, thine we are. Early let us seek thy favor, early let us do thy will. Blessed Lord and only Savior, with thy love our bosoms fill. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, Thou hast loved us, love us still. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, Thou hast loved us, loved us still. God, thank You for this time. We can remember Jesus, that He heals people's broken hearts, that He binds up their wounds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us stand as we sing God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. <laughs>